thing going? It's uh, it's going. That's that's not August. Hey, it must be somebody else. It's somebody else because boy, Howard, it's been a couple of weeks, so, fellas. If you've, if this is your first time listening to it, would be nice. Uh, this is not how the podcast usually goes. Usually, it's me and August, and we bitch about life. We do stuff and whatnot. But uh, today, things are different because past couple of weeks have been a little chaotic. Last week, I was sick and I started a new job, so we couldn't record that week. And this week, August is exhausted from being in Philly all week, and he can't record. And we decided, you know what? We're not going to uh, we're not going to skip a week. So uh, I got my buddy Blake here. If you've listened to one of our, mu- I think it was the first Music Monday episode we did. I so. It was a little couple months back. We yeah, did. yeah. It was the it was the one where we had like six songs. It was really good. Mm-hmm. There was no, it was three songs. Was three. We picked one each. It's yeah, been a long week, fellas. Uh, Blake, for the people who haven't listened, just give a quick introduction. Yeah, so my name's Blake Hall. I'm a filmmaker, a musician as well, but I'm actually uh, just wrapping up a film right now called Fallacy. I've been in the works on this for almost two years now. Uh, I just got finished filming about an hour's worth of footage out in the Imes Nature Center with the crew. And then tomorrow I'll be doing, getting into some more filming, um, doing some music video shoots as well. And then I'll start advertising a lot of this around the January, February range as I go through the editing process. But it's been a lot of fun. But that's mostly what I'm doing these days, John. I'm just, yeah, working on this film and, yeah, really enjoying myself in kind of a soul-searching process that comes along with doing such a such a thing. For making a feature-length film, that is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's short, we've done short films. I think feature-length that's, just... And, I mean, August just different. did He Comes to Kill. That's a big one. So now that's the pressure, big pressure's one. on me to do a feature film. And now I have hey, a full-time job. You so got it's it, like, yeah, all whatever. the time. Uh, yeah, so that's the thing, folks, uh, is if you're going to be on this podcast, you need to be a 20-something... Or no, August is 30. That's right. You need to be a guy in his late 20s, early 30s who's a filmmaker who's trying to find fulfillment in life. That's the criteria. Uh, sorry, if you're if you don't meet that criteria, you cannot be on the podcast ever. I don't make the rules. Uh, I'm kidding, of course. This is it would be nice. I'm trying to run the show here, which I've never done before, and it's it's kind of a clusterfuck. And I'm like my recording setup is awful. I'll post a picture and make sure it gets posted. I'll post a picture and make sure it gets posted. God. Blake, what a shit show. No, Episodes over, folks. All right, thanks for joining us. This is It Will Be... Okay, I'm kidding. We can keep going. We, we, can, we need to fill like... We, this. We'll, we need to fill like at least 45 minutes to an hour. We'll, we can, we'll, we can, we'll be able out. to fill an hour. It's we'll, just... We'll get there. We build it. Rambling. So, you know, Blake and I, we kind of talked a little bit earlier about... You know, doing something a little different on this episode, but I do want to keep a little bit of the structure. So, I'm going to go ahead and say... Uh, it would be nice... If adapting to nine to five office work wasn't so awful, because uh, yeah, I I got a job, listeners. I got a job. I'm not gonna tell you where I got a job or really what I do, but it involves sitting at a desk, and it involves getting there at nine and leaving at five. It involves sitting in rush hour traffic. It involves hastily preparing breakfast and all that, and you know, just going from unemployed where I just sat on my ass a lot and I could just do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted to having these eight really nine hours if you include the commute having these these chunk of hours where it's like gotta be on time gotta get food gotta get fed just dealing with that transition it's tough and you know a lot of people even when they get used to it they still hate it you know dealing with going to work every day is uh it's not fun but you know what do you what do you think Blake 
I mean, hey, that's the way it goes, you know. I mean, you land a gig you like and you're you're doing all right, then yeah, that that's just fine. And I'm yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too, you know. I'm like, I really like the job I'm doing full time right now. I'm able to just kind of. So I'm the kind of guy that always thrives best when I can kind of just sort of be in my element while I'm working, you know. I just I can just kind of get my my routine out, and I can just sort of drift in my music while I'm going, and I don't have to. I can be on autopilot throughout right. the whole day and make you know, get paid to do it. That, that's kind of all I've ever asked for for a paid job. You got a good good point on the music thing because it's like. I'm doing video editing at my job for the most part, and for a lot of video editing, it's really not advisable to listen to anything but the video you're editing, but there are times when it's like, oh, I'm just compositing in After Effects. I'm just adjusting keyframes. I'm just using Lightroom on photos or whatever, and I don't need audio for that, so I just put on some music, and uh, today I just... I just listened to a bunch of uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Yeah, you've been on a roll with it lately. Oh, yeah. I'll get into that more later, and later tonight we'll listen to some. But, uh... I was listening to, it was their uh, their Red Rock set, which they opened with their 18 minute long song, The Dripping Tap. And I noticed some of my coworkers kind of looking over at me, and I took my headphones off, and they're like, they're like, hey, uh, just just check it out, and you're hearing your headphones are pretty loud, and it's just like I had absolutely no concept that they could hear that. It's just like I'm sitting there, my eyes are glued to like After Effects, I'm doing all my work on this project, and I'm just hearing these sick riffs. And next thing I know, my coworkers are like, "Buddy, you're hearing and whatnot," and it's like, I, you know. You ever you ever have people give you shit about listening to music too loud? Not because it bothers oh, yeah. them, but because they're like, you're hearing. Yeah. Be oh yeah. Well, here's the funny thing. I've like gotten a lot for that, but then I'm like, oh yeah. Well, my own father kind of raised me on nothing but rock and roll, and he kind of encouraged like, dude, it's worth it to just blow your ears out. So I kind of was raised with that mentality in a sense, and yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I get more people concerned than actually. Than that. I mean, I, I understand. Mean, I, I've embraced it. At this point. I don't. I don't blast music so loud that I'm going to damage my eardrums. I don't think. Uh, and I think like the real shit people have to worry about is consistently blasting loud stuff which I just I don't blast it I get it kind of loud and every now and then like when I'm listening to like metal or something I'll crank it because I really want to like just hear how that sounds when it's really loud yeah. it just gets me motivated in a unique way I feel like I can really live in the song that I'm, I'm hearing and I can also just it feels like it's alive and it kind of brings life it just instills a certain life there was it. a time you and I were on the way back from hiking I think yeah and we, we were like struggling to pick a song and I just put on um I just put on oh my god Paranoid, the Black Sabbath album. Oh yeah, that's uh, a why, I completely forgot the name of it for a second. Uh, I just put that on, and as soon as I put it on, you were like, mm. "Yeah, crank it up." I also, I was funny because on my way over here, I was having a random recollection of us listening to a Moonshake Pool on our way down to Chattanooga one time. Yeah, or maybe on the way back. It was on the way back. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I think that just complimented the rainy atmosphere tonight. Like, kind of just a lot of clouds and whatnot. Yeah, that was neat. This, yeah. Yeah, hey, that's another. It would be nice. It'd be nice if it didn't rain for a week straight. <laughs> oh man, it's okay. Look. I, I strangely like it because I think I like gothic energy so much, and it okay. feels relatable to gothic. So <laughs> I understand, and I've been thinking about this a lot. Uh, I texted my improv group. I texted them and said, "Are these raining day rainy days getting to anyone else?" And like every single person was like, "No, I like rainy days." And I'm like, "Look, I like rainy days too, but you know when I like rainy days is I like when it's one or two days." And those days I can stay inside and I can watch movies, play video games, eat like some soup, read a book, just relax. I don't like rainy days when I wake up in the morning and it's rainy and I have to get in my car and drive to sit in the office and it's just rainy all the time. And when those days go by, like people, I don't know if you know this, but like your body needs the sun. Like (laughs) it's true. Yeah. We're (laughs) We're vampires. Otherwise (laughs) pretty much like, 
like I actually was feeling it. I'm like, I need sunlight. I am feeling like my mood is down. I'm tired a lot more. And I know that a lot of it's probably just the job, but it's like the lack of sunlight gets to you. And it's like, I do love a rainy day, but I take them a couple, like a, a few at a time, preferably. It's a, uh, it's a lot. Yeah, it's definitely, it can be a lot for sure. I think that ultimately with weather, I like the balance of it. There's certain day, times where that does catch up for me. It's like, man, I just wish it were another, you know, another one. That's typically where I like to stay inside the most. But lately I've kind of like the, like just, yeah, like the feeling of just watching a film and just, yeah, sort of the mood outside, just the, you know, the wind oh, yeah. kind of blowing a little heavy and whatnot. You ever have those days where you like, really want to stay inside and just do nothing, but like it's the most beautiful day outside and you feel guilty for it? Yeah, dude, for sure. Sometimes it doesn't match. Sometimes it's beautiful out, but you don't feel that sunny. You know, you feel kind of more like, you know, kind of gothic, kind of dark feeling inside. And you'll want to, you want to live in that rather than be outside in the sun. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like living in that kind of makes me appreciate sunlight later. Like once I kind of feel, live, that, live in the dark side for a little while. Yeah, it's been, you know, I keep thinking about how I'd love to just like take a walk somewhere, but it's also like with it being winter, it's like everything's dead, and it's just like I want to I want to see the trees again. And you know, August and I we had a yeah. discussion about like ranking the seasons and whatnot, and you know, like actually last night I was like, you know what, with how rainy it's been, usually I, I'm like I'm weird about like I put my Christmas stuff up pretty late, like usually a week before Christmas or so, but like last night I was like I'm tired of it being rainy, and I got to go to work in the morning. I'm gonna put my tree up. I mean. It's not much. It's a little. It's a little baby tree, but it's it's up now. So yeah, there's yeah. that. Yeah, no, it's nice. I, I was really admiring it as I was driving up here. It's just lighting all around here. It really looks cinematic. I feel like a film ought to be set at this very house because it looks. Oh really, yeah. It I looks mean, so natural. Yeah, I've, uh, I tell you what. Like when you stay in your house so much, you really are like you get like hyper focused on like I want to make sure stuff looks good. Like yeah. <laughs> Excuse yeah, me, no, fellas. Looks good. <laughs> Excuse yeah, me. honestly, I would definitely. Yeah, somewhere down the road, I kind of see low key hope you make a movie here sometime. Yeah, it's, like, it's this weird. is actually a good setting, an isolated kind of setting. I totally could, but uh, I'm trying to think. Like he's you've not been here in a while. It's been a little while. I don't think I've changed all that much. Uh, not that big, much. Uh, I mean, my I moved lighting. the egg dog poster from this wall here audio listeners are loving this they're loving me pointing at my wall on this audio podcast yep. i moved the egg dog poster to the hall and i put up my titanic rising poster which um really cool that that came in the record sleeve but uh really not cool that like you can't you can't find good frames for anything like if you have photos like medium-sized photos you can get frames but and posters you can get frames but like that that the size of this it's just it's just a fold out poster so it's four times the size of a record you can't find a frame that fits that you just can't and it's annoying because it's like that's that's beautiful album art and it deserves to be behind glass not just hanging up there like the pathetic little thing it is it shines it shines it's it looks good it's a uh, uh, Titanic Rising. Look, Google images Titanic Rising, folks, and tell me that doesn't belong like in a museum behind glass because it's it's top tier album art. You listen to that new Wise Blood album? Oh, I still haven't. I've heard great things though. I'll, I really, uh, I really I'll put need a song on it too later. We need to get that. Was it? I uh, love Titanic Rising. I've I've not listened to it as much as I should. Uh, I mean, it came out like right when everything got super busy for me, but like. No, it's it's solid. It's Same. really I'm just good. The classic so hard. I feel like I really haven't given this year. There's been a, apparently a lot of extraordinary albums coming out this year. I've, I've really not listened kept to, up with it. I'm just saying. I'm just. I live in the classics Man, so hard. You five know five King Gizzard albums. It's like I've I've not really paid Dude, attention it's overwhelming. to much else. Yeah, That's the thing. You know, I think that like music in a certain sense, I've kind of realized 
And it might sound kind of crazy at first, but I think it's sort of just taking my place as sort of like what I would turn to religion for. I'm like, dude, just turn to albums, basically. And I'm, I've kind of had to learn with age, you know, living alone for a year. I can really see how like how much I just, all I really need is music in a lot of ways, you know. To, I mean, to when it comes down to it, like, everyone finds their peace and their meaning in different things. Yeah. And, like, I don't, I don't see any problem with being like, you know what? Maybe we should worship the Beatles. I'm just going to worship them. Yeah, I'm sick of the Beatles right now because I worshiped them so hard for a couple of years, but I still yeah. love them to death. They're still one of the best bands ever. But you know, now it's like other bands have kind of, and it hit me a little hard. Like Modest Mouse, I feel like, you know, and the Stooges, like guys like that are like hitting me almost because I'm just feeling raw, like raw energy very strongly right now. I'm almost ever, like, uh, I, I almost can't take too much perfectionism because I'm like, you got to break through it eventually because that'll drive you mad when you just live in that all the time. I had to, I had to see that my way. You know, when you say mention like getting kind of sick of the Beatles, like, do you ever like think about like you're listening to a band and you're like at the peak of your obsession with them and you're like, this is the best. This will never get old. This is amazing. The thing is and then will. like months later, you discover a new band, you get into them and you look back on that old one and you're like, yeah, they're pretty good. That's how it feels. Exactly. No, I'm just like, like listening to a band like Modest Mouse. I'm like, I'm feeling just as good as I did in my favorite moments listening to the Beatles. Cause it, but it's just a completely different sound. I just kind of got to accept that music's just a world of its own. You know, Stevie you're Wonder said. You feel <laughs> different things and. Yeah, just, I'm, yeah, I'm in it to feel all kinds of things. It doesn't matter where it comes from. Yeah, I'm just here to feel things at the end of the day. All that's, kinds. Yeah. Good, like light and dark. I want to feel it all in its full glory. And, it's, and we're, dark, we're, all here to, we're all here to feel things. And at, at the end uh, of the day, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, like now that I'm working like a proper office job and, you know, it's like I'm doing stuff I'm good at. It's not like I hate it. It's not like I'm filling out spreadsheets all the time. But I am trying to f find like little bits of joy throughout the day. And it's like, you know, like now I, I go out to my car, I, I eat my sandwich, and I listen to podcasts and do that. Sometimes I put on music. You know, it's, it's listening to music while you work. It's little things that kind of get you through the day and whatnot. But Just it's the little uh, moments in between. I've always kind of felt that. Um, and I think that now with enough age and experience, I can almost safely say that, that it, it's just those are the moments to live for. You know, it's honestly like there's a lot of times where it's going to feel terrible. But I think it's actually worth it to find those beautiful moments in between to supplement those terrible times you need like a purpose to, to something to live for you know and it, it can go so many different places but it's, uh, ultimately it, it does come down to that one foundation i mean like one of the biggest life philosophies i've had realizations i've had over the past few years is it's like a lot of happiness is just having something to look forward to because you need some anticipation and yeah. you know sometimes i mean i've had a lot of times where it's like my thing to look forward to feels really far away but like you know this week it's like well get to record a podcast with Blake and listen to music Friday night. That'll be cool. That, and it's a Friday night. I don't have to go to work tomorrow. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, sometimes Dude, it's... The Friday, there's something about Friday buzz, man. I believe in that. <laughs> yeah, I, that's it's... something I want. Yeah, I'm like, losing that feels... It's very... That, that feels very hard. Well, disheartening. I've never had it, is the thing. Mm. And it's like... You know, I always dreamed of the 9 to 5, which I know sounds insane, but... You know, like... When you can look at your month and you can be like, okay, Monday through Friday... I wake up early, I go to this place, I do a job, and then I go home, and that's what I do. And if people want to make plans, I'm free these nights. I'm free the weekend. That's my availability. But when I worked retail, it's just like, screw your consistency, screw your schedule, we're going to have you close the store and then open it the next morning, we're going to call you in on your days off, we're going to switch stuff around. We're going to give you 40 hours and you're finally going to feel like you have enough money in your bank account and then we're going to give you five hours the next week. And, you know, it's like, 
yeah, it's it's retail work, it's whatnot, and I get that office life isn't glamorous, but it's stable. It's safe. It's sa- you know, salary's nice too. I haven't gotten paid yet, but it'll be really nice getting that paycheck. Oh, I mean, yeah. like, cool. This is what I can expect every two weeks is to just get this amount of money until I get a raise or something. Mm-hmm. But it's a, uh, it's it's stability, and I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. They're looking for something like that stable that they can become accustomed to and even if it's kind of bad they can they're so used to it they can find ways to like you find a certain it's like a certain comfort you find in it it's like even when you feel lonely and like there's a lot of depression you're feeling it's like you almost can kind of pave out those melancholic emotions to eventually find that yeah there is like a certain comfort and the charm that lives in it so so smoothly that you you eventually find that there is a happiness that truly lives in the side of all of that because it's like a proper understanding that you know, it's very unique to you. You know, no one can see things the way you've seen them because you've embraced such dark emotions and and, and sadness. You know, now you can you kind of see the world in a, in a very deep, fulfilled, fulfilling kind of way. And you know, people are really going to appreciate that in time. You just well, want the right people to hear you in a lot of ways. And to look back on this podcast, which I mean, it was like ostensibly just created so August and I could. We like we we're like we bitch about life all the time. Why don't we just turn on a microphone and see if people like it? And it turns out people do like it. They people like us. We're we're good dudes. But and you know, it's like now I really want to go back and listen to some of those earlier episodes uh, where I'm just like all the things I complained about. Where I'm just like, oh, that's not a problem anymore. Like yeah, I have, yeah, I have yeah, a job yeah. now. That's not really a problem. Or now my problems are different. And it's you know, it's, it's like an I, innocence to it. It's like oh, it was all it was super innocent. You don't see it at for in the in the moment. You just want to bit it out. But then yeah, you look back. It's like okay. of course. <laughs> and like so, I'm sure at some point I'm just like. I said on the podcast, like, if I could just get a job, things would be so much more stable and whatnot, and now everyone's tuning in, they're like, well, John's got a job, and all he can do is complain about traffic, and packing lunch, and taking breaks, and being tired, and it's like, no, I mean, I know, I knew that was going to come with it, it's just, it's an adjustment, and, uh, you know, it's like, it's another thing just about being human is, like, you can say, if I get this thing, if I get this girlfriend, if I go... Uh, to this place, if I go to this concert, if I do this thing, then I'll be happy. And inevitably, you're going to do that, and then you're going to want something more, you're going to want something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that's the thing, you know. I think that's what the tricky thing about seeking fulfill- proper fulfillment is. You'll think you have it in spades and moments, but there's always something that will come around and challenge that notion in a lot of ways. And there are, like, a lot of moments and days where it's like, yeah, I don't feel that fulfilled in a lot of ways. Like, I totally, I totally get that on certain days also. But it's, yeah, it's, you it's, want it to turn around, but it's almost like you have to search for it in some some days, and that can be tough. But it's like, yeah, it's an outlook of like whenever it feel good, love that and embrace it. But then whenever it doesn't feel good, see that as like something that you're ultimately gonna be glad you went through in time. And it's like finding your way to sort of cope with it. And so much of it is understanding, taking a step back, and trying to like appreciate what you have. Because yeah. I mean, I mean, I was unemployed for a while, but like, you know, I kind of look at it and I'm like, yeah, you know, did I? have a lot of depressed days in my like nearly two years of unemployment yeah i sure did but you know i also really enjoyed the days where i could wake up late and i could do whatever i wanted all day and sometimes you have a freedom sometimes that was just getting fucked up and watching movies and listening to music all day and sometimes it was going out and doing stuff and meeting with friends and exploring and just reading books and developing myself and whatnot and 
freedom does come with the light and dark side you know in a lot of ways right like yeah it's great to have all that but then it's also like yeah you, it could almost be, you could eventually become a, 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 a purpose a sense of torment in a sense if you don't have anything of a greater force to kind of ground you and, and you know just kind of give you something productive to do and you know i think it's good to have like something to keep your mind occupied so you can kind of feel that sort of you know like fulfillment within those moments and you know you bring up a good point there because i genuinely think that every person deserves one full like contiguous year of not having to work as an adult i mean i don't mean like oh when you're a kid you don't have to work no i mean like i feel like once you turn 18 or something i mean you know this it's different every country but like once you're legally an adult i feel like there should be like this ticket and you can bring it to your place of work or the government or whatever i don't know and the ticket is like okay we will pay you whatever the cost of living is for an entire year, no questions asked, just so you can spend a year, like, I don't know, learning some stuff, being yourself, exploring new things, and not having to dedicate yourself to making money, just, I don't know, and I recognize that I had the benefit of that because of, you know, some stuff I won't really get into, but, you know, most people, they can't afford to take that time off. I find that it's essential for a lot of... Because I think you and I are creative types. So I think we really especially need that year. Um, you know, I, because I think that we really need to get in tune with... What what are you naturally going to feel compelled to do? You know, I think a lot of times it's easy to kind of feel skewed on what, what you really want to be doing with yourself. And where you want to be applying... I think like all of your tormented energy. It's like you can literally apply that tormented energy into go into a greater good that does fulfill your life. You know, like it, it is so easy to fall into the trap of no, I am just going to do drugs and play video games. All yeah, day. You know, <laughs> yeah, it, it's easy to fall into that. But I, yeah, and I think that right there is like my limit. Like I think that whenever I feel any kind of routine, like I'm not much of a gamer, but I can certainly do the, you know, like watching a lot of movies and stuff. I'm yeah. definitely a film addict and a music addict as well. So I think that. Doing too much of that can absolutely, like, you need to find a limit, you know, and find a certain fulfillment. And I really try to play that, find that in playing music these days, you know. I always have been playing music, but now I'm, like, working on this album, and I've got a couple of musicians lined up. And I, I find fulfillment in, in a lot of that, honestly. It's like, it's almost like I'm able to kind of share mel my melancholy and my own depression. And I can say it in a way that I'm not saying it in words, but I'm just letting melodies literally just to say it for me. Like I was saying earlier, like, music being a certain religion, it's like... Yeah, it's a universal language that, like, we may not know what to say in words, but we can feel it and can almost find an understanding together. And I think you and I have done that many times there, you know, oh, listening to music. Yeah, and, like, it's, you know, you, you know, the point about being an artist and whatnot is, like, you know, you, you get, you have that free time and you can dedicate it to something you feel that you're good at, that you're developing. It feels good. Like, I mean, unfortunately, I didn't, I made, oh, well, no, I made exactly... Uh, one movie over the course of my unemployment. I mean, I finished Tether and then I made Starting from Scratch, but you know, I also I also wrote Phantom Fury. Uh, no big deal. In the middle of that, so that was cool. But like, um, yeah, yeah. But like, I think what comes with that is there's this constant sense of guilt when you take a day and you're like, I'm not going to work on any projects. I'm just going to watch TV. Dude, I feel whatever. like guilt, dude. I really do feel like, I think guilt and anxiety is very intense. Like, I, I feel like I want to give myself, and I, that's the dark side of like having freedom all the time. Eventually, when that guilty conscience kicks in, it can be like, if you don't set up a certain routine for yourself, you're almost going to always feel terrible for allowing yourself to do things you like. And that ultimately is almost a form of hell, I think. You know, I've, I've kind of... It's awful. It. It's that's an worst. awful feeling. If like, yeah, like, oh, I feel like a rotten piece of shit one right of now. The no, biggest, it's got to be better than that. One of the biggest things that I'm happy about after having this job is, like, I come home from work and I eat, like, a pizza or something. And I 
I plop down on my chair and I just put on some music and I just scroll through like memes and stuff. And I do that all night and I don't feel an ounce of guilt. Because I just got back from work, and I got to go do it yeah. again tomorrow. Uh, that's the thing, dude. It's like doing things you love after you've like found something outside of your niche that's fulfilling. I think that's what I need. Uh, like sometimes I get too addicted to things. And now it's like, okay, no matter how bad I want it, like, hey, I've got to do things in my my personal life to make sure I'm I'm together. You know, in a lot of ways before I'm doing that. That's like basically find, finding out how to not feel guilty for watching. I feel like I earned it, rather. You know, I feel like you earned it for yourself. Feeling like you earned it is it's a big thing, and then. You know, then your you know your standards get kind of low and whatnot. Because I mean, there was a time like middle of twenty twenty one, you know, which was a pretty dark time in my life, honestly. Where it's like I'd get up and I'd you know just want to stop and not do anything immediately. And I'd get on and I'd say I'll study and I'll I would read like one page of like Microsoft Azure documentation and take notes on it because uh, my goal was oh I'm eventually going to get a certification and get a real job with this I never did but like I would read like one page and I'd be like alright that's it for a day and then I'd go and I'd like start drinking or get high or something and just do nothing for the rest of the day because you set your goal like oh I've earned this I read one page of homework I earned spending the rest of the day getting high and it's it's another easy trap to fall into. It is easy, man. It definitely can be easy because I think the thing with like getting high, I mean, I do, I, I'm, I mean, I get high quite often myself, but I think I always try to, and I think I do a lot of that it kind of comes together with, I don't want to feel guilty while doing it. I want to almost make sure that it's going to kind of benefit myself creatively and something. Like once I kind of feel that high, I kind of want to write or I, I, I kind of get more like excited I, to do stuff. Like I, I need to, I need to do something. I, that's why I like to do it alone. I think for the most part, it's like a, it can almost make you very straight. You know, in the places, if you're creative, it kind of is where you're smart at in a lot of ways. So it's almost like I need to narrow down so I'm not, like, misunderstood in any way. I can kind of just do my things. I'm like, I, I believe that there is, you know, you can almost get in tune with something a little greater than yourself if you just focus on it correctly instead of feeling like you're wasting your time so much. I, I think that's what doesn't feel good in the end. I have had so many times where I've been stoned and my head is spinning with ideas, but, like, there's another part of my brain that does not want to sit down and write it out, so... Uh, it's like a buzzing feeling. You, you, really you like. and uh, you know this very well that the number of times that you know you and I've been smoking like a bowl together, and I've like talked for like twenty minutes between hits because <laughs> that's I'm, what I'm saying. It's I a ramble that's not bad. It's like a smart side of things coming out, and it's like <laughs> magical things tend to happen when I open up my phone and open up my uh, like voice recorder app. That's what I'm saying. And get really stone. The issue is I have so many files on my phone and it's like I've not listened to these and some of these are like an hour long. Like I've got voice notes that are an hour long because I just got really stoned and wanted to talk about ideas. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's another topic I'm looking at right now. It's like like a certain coldness that can kind of come with it too. You know, it's almost like that 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 narrow like thought process can almost be like too cold, like too cold, and I don't realize it in moments. And I think that's also kind of what I'm seeing is a good reason to kind of not do it all the time. It's like, I kind of want to make sure I feel like I'm in tune with a certain greater good. A certain, like, I just want to make sure I'm in tune with other people's, you know, and getting in the thought process of other, other minds. So I don't become too delusional on my own. Cause I realize I'm, I could be guilty of that if I let myself go too far. I'm going to get really, really, really deep here. Yeah, and course. then after we, uh, after we talk about this point for a little bit, we should probably move on to sure. a different segment uh, because this got a little more philosophical than I expected <laughs> to. Because usually August, August and I, we have a lot more riffing, and you and I have kind of been just going back and forth and just being like, yeah. you know, life. We're uh, both melancholic dudes, man. I think we we embrace it in different, very different ways, but we are, we meet each other at certain very, certain very much, very much. So we both have that. Uh, you ever time. look at a look at a person and you just think 
that person has an entire life. They have memories. They have moments of heartache, of immense joy, experiences, yeah, traumas. Other people have that. Yeah. Understanding that other people are like whole ass people is like super weird. And it's like I'm not trying to embrace it. I might sound like a psychopath here. Like yes, I know other people have feelings. I've known that for a long time. But when you really start to get into it and think about like you know, every thought you've had, every motivation you have, every feeling you have, it's like other people have had those too. That's the coldness I've had to kind of wrestle. Because I realized growing up, I really did, I started just started seeing this more recently, but I really wasn't in tune with that where I'm like, I almost want to, like, I'm not trying to, but I think it's just a subconscious thing. Maybe we both do this where it's like, I feel like I have to kind of show off my thoughts as if they're the, you know, and, and it might can kind of come off like I'm trying to dominate or kind of show up a sense of superiority. But really it's like, it's because you haven't really met other people that also kind of feel that strong and deep in a sense. You know, it can come from a sense of isolation. You know, it's, it's tricky to catch yourself in moments, but in time, I think that can catch up. I think talking about it, I think that's the bottom line. That's why I like to learn about, like, it sounds crazy, but de- like like death and stuff like that. I want to learn about people who've been through things a lot harsher than I've ever experienced in a oh, lot yeah. of ways because that kind of helps me bring a certain fulfillment. And then I also see people who have it simpler than I, mean, I do. Like, you, you, you've all wit- kinds of you've things. witnessed what it's like to deal with death when you've hung out with me a few oh, times. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have both. I mean, I know you've, you've, yeah, you've been through this, man. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, won't, I won't get super into it, but, like, the, I think the first time we hung out after my dad died, we were hanging out and having a good time, and, like, the tiniest little thing reminded me of my dad, and I absolutely lost my shit for, like, half an hour. Yeah, man. And it was, like, really, you know, it's just... It's weird, you know. One ever tells you about a lot of like the way you're going to experience life and experience things. No, yeah, you never really know. That's the thing. I, I think that's part of the unpredictable wave. Is just, I mean, I really can't talk. I've, I truly haven't experienced the pain you just described. I mm-hmm. literally haven't. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about what that feels like. But I mean, I can certainly understand in the overall sense that feeling such extraordinary pain. Like it, I mean, there's moments where it's like, dude, motherfucker, why am I still living? Kind of feeling. Yeah, it yeah. can get that intense. But really, I think. You know, I, I imagine you, in time you have like see that other people have, like face that. I think that's literally where you define humanity and other people, and you start to feel kind of better about yourself. And when when things are when people have something better than you, it's like you just have to kind of chill about it. It's like, yeah, who gives a hoot? As long as you're fulfilled, and, you know, just you start to just feel happy that everyone's. You just want you just kind of want others to be fulfilled too. You know, you know it's never like I don't just because I'm not fulfilled doesn't mean that I don't want it for others in a sense. Like, do you ever think about the fact that all the uh, all the people who listen to this podcast right now, we got like we got super deep on this. <laughs> we're like, there's people who like listen to me in August, being like, you like winter better than summer. Yeah. Like, hey, you like this movie, and then they move on to this, and like, I wonder how many people. Hey, See, uh, I'm cold-hearted, man. <laughs> that's that's, uh, that's a sign. Uh, like, cold. send us a message or something. Comment if you're having an existential crisis right now because uh, we got pretty deep on this, but uh, I'm going to flip things over to some more fun talk. Yeah, let's go. Um, so usually August and I talk about movies we've seen and whatnot, and honestly, I've not been watching much, and you know, there's stuff that I might update him on, but like the big thing I want to talk about with you is a pretty cool thing. So this past Wednesday... I got off work, I went home and ate some dinner, and then I went to see a movie. I saw Chunky Shrapnel, the live concert film by King Gizzard and the Lizard oh, Wizard yeah, at Central that. Cinema. How was that? Uh, it was great. It was really great. It grew on, I think it, I mean, I loved it in the experience, but like, I don't know, I was kind of, I was pretty exhausted from work, and it was kind of this whole thing of like, I want to experience this. I've never like gone to see a concert movie. Uh, for those that don't know, I love King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. They're probably my favorite band right now. I've been trying not to share them very much on Music Monday because a lot of my favorite songs of theirs are really long. 
Uh, Music Monday, by the way, uh, that's only available for Spotify listeners. Uh, sorry about that, but, you know, copyright laws and whatnot. Can't just eat music onto this podcast. Anyway, I'm getting way too into my expectations. It's really good. Uh, so it's shot on film. It kind of has a, a, oh, kinda an interesting sort of washed out look. It looks really good. Most of it is shot like on stage with the band. Uh, it's on their European tour in 2019. And it was, I think it was originally like live streamed. Like you bought access to a live stream of it uh, during like the pandemic. And I think that's kind of how they were like, well, we're going to make money off this. But uh, yeah, I hadn't seen it. And there's clips of it floating around on YouTube. But the whole thing is like, it's really good. It's really solid. They're a really fun band. Uh, shocker band that made 25 albums uh jeez that's so massive they're so they're intimidating how massive they are i think, I think I, I need they're to crack at the top open. of their game right now Dude, like that's it's insane like how like what if like the the band ends at some point and they've got like 120 albums and some guys like yo 25 album 25 was when they got really good and i mean they're really good before that trust me guys but like i am like if this is what they're like after like what have they been together like 14 years something like that 14 years and 25 albums then like what are they going to be like in five or yeah, ten that's the thing, or man. even 20 i mean bands like that it almost reminds me of like how great bands like grateful dead were it just seems like they have like a such a cult fan base and it seems like they're they always have a certain wheel turning in a way it's, like it's I mean, really I, I really haven't listened to them too much outside I, of what you showed me but i i, I, I understand that mystique behind a band i can't tell you the name of a single grateful dead song but i've seen so much grateful dead stuff just in real life yeah it's kind it's of everywhere. weird i'm gonna say i'm not the biggest deadhead myself but i can you definitely like their see live that. albums it's, you've told me that. yeah it's the live stuff i like the most because i think the jerry Arce, they work best when they are like almost in a jazz setting they just let loose in the best way possible that because way. like i had a moment the other night where you know it's like you everyone knows what it's like to be like obsessed with a band and like you want to find videos of them playing live you want to find unique performances b-sides you want to find all the cool stuff that isn't just sitting on spotify or on Bandcamp or wherever and what i wanted to hear was i wanted to hear a live performance of their song gaia that's off uh omnium gatherum one of the five albums they released this year and Gaia is a thrash metal song, and it's about Earth, and it's it's really cool. It's a really it's a really good song, uh, and I want them to do another metal album, honestly. But I watched this live version, and it's great. And then like like right before like the bridge, Michael Cavanaugh, the drummer, just breaks into like this seven minute long drum solo. I sent you this video. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, that was wicked. <laughs> I did not expect it. This. Tears reminded me of like the Tool sound. Honestly, there were the tool so many times where he would like end a like a measure or something, and I'm like, they're gonna break back into the song now, and then he just keep going, and it was just it kept going on and on, and it's it's it was absolutely fantastic. And there's a lot of cool shit like this in this show. I mean. They're a band with a really prolific discography, so their concerts are kind of weird in that they're going to play different shit every night, but there's going to be stuff you're likely always to hear. But, uh, you know, I have to say I had a moment that kind of pissed me off watching this. So the movie opens. You see them getting all hyped up, getting set up and everything, and then they break into the intro of their song uh, Self-Immolate from Infest the Rat's Nest, which is, like, one of their, like, hardest, like, balls to the wall thrash metal songs they've ever made it's an absolute banger and then as soon as it's about to like break into like the really good shit on the song uh the original score comes in and it cuts to 
backstage footage, mm. and you just never get to hear that version. It's on YouTube. This, I think it's like a bonus feature. You can listen to the whole version, and it's an amazing live version of that song. But that was such a tease at the be very beginning, and I got mad because it's like, ah, I wanted to hear self-immolate on movie theater speakers. That would have been awesome. Uh, but there's just a there's a lot of tracks from their thrash metal album, Infest the Rat's Nest, on this one, uh, which are fantastic. But... You know, I mean, I guess spoilers for a concert movie, but, like, the ending of this movie, mm -hmm. it's so great. Dude, Collins, what's So up? they start jamming, and they're just jamming, and it's really good. And then their friends and family come out on stage and start taking over their instruments for them. And, like, one by one, all the band members quits playing while their family and friends take over for them. So the music doesn't oh. stop, but the band is now interacting with fans. They go... Uh, what in the world? Um, crowd surfing. I completely <laughs> forgot what that was called for. Oh, a yeah. Crowd they go surfing. crowd surfing. Uh, the lead singer, Stu, takes off his shirt and throws it into the audience, and then he takes off his pants and throws it into the audience. There's people throwing beverages. They get wild. They get a little rowdy. But the point is, they're having the time of their life partying with their fans while their friends and family continue to jam. And it's a jam. It goes mm. on for a while. It's so so fun i think i think i really like jam bands so now i'm gonna like probably ask you later if you know any good jam bands put this on because <laughs> yeah, i think i man. really like jam bands i'll throw you now. some jam bands. i'm a definitely a jam guy. i think i come from a big time jam background i grew up on a lot of Ullman brothers and whatnot so i definitely resonate a lot with jamming out for sure so that's yeah we'll do that but yeah if you if you uh you know like i'm gonna i'm gonna play a ton of king gizzard for you later man but like if you man, if you want a chance to like watch something that would help you like really kind of like get to know this band or get into a more uh, encore showing at Central Cinema next Tuesday. Yeah, I might be able to check uh, it out. Unfortunately, I wouldn't be able to join you if you did because I have to. I have to do a Phantom. Yeah, yeah, all right. I think I should be. Yeah, I should buy free time that even which I probably should. Get it's, time for that. I could, it, yeah, I should check that out. It's solid. I mean, they sold out like at Central Cinema. Band. Wow, really? Yeah, I, I was surprised. I, was, I didn't realize how they had that big of a fan. I was about to leave and then I checked their Instagram. And Central Cinema's Instagram, that is. Shout out Central Cinema. Good place. Good place to watch movies. They showed. Uh, they showed a movie that I was in, and they've shown movies I've, I've made there. And um, yeah, I checked, and they were like, "Hey, we're almost sold out." So I'm like, "Oh shit!" And went and bought a ticket online. And you know, I'm not used to having to buy Central Cinema stuff online because usually it's like they they don't pack out theaters all that often, and when they do, it's usually a big event, like when Greg Sestero came to to a screening of The Room. Uh, which, man, that would have been fun to go to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been hilarious. But uh, now it's like, yeah, no, it was it was sold out. Uh, it was a sausage fest. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. And, like, I think, like, a lot of the women I saw there were just there with their boyfriends. Yeah. They liked the band. They were having a fun time. I didn't get the impression that, like, there were women being dragged along to this show. But I tell you, it's really weird because, like, I don't know if you feel this way about like the music you listen to sometimes because you know you and I we listen to more niche stuff as well as mm. a lot some popular stuff. Yeah, but like I'm so used to like no one knows when when I say the name of my favorite band no one knows what I'm talking about. Like when I was super into Japanese Breakfast, no one no one I met knew who, who Japanese a lot Breakfast of, was. There's a lot of what it is about having love for a certain band where it's like you have like it's hard to talk about it with most people, so it's almost like it has to be your own like secret discovery in a, in a way. It like I love way. talking about my favorite bands to people. I like playing their music for them way better. So if I don't get the opportunity to do that, it's like oh well, what am I gonna do? Like a lot of my improv friends, like 
we go to improv together. We don't, you don't play music at improv. You do improv games and you joke around. So a lot of them don't really know what I'm into in terms of music, and I'm excited to share that with them. But, mm-hmm. but no, it is super weird when you sit down, and it's like there's people talking about this band you love, and you can just have you like immediately have a topic of discussion. Right. <laughs> the guy sitting in front of me was talking about how he saw them at Red Rocks. Oh wow, oh, man, that looks so great. <laughs> he was talking about how he just got tickets to see them. They're playing in the caverns <laughs> in like Middle Tennessee. Yeah. It like sold out immediately because it's a tiny venue. But imagine going into a big ass cave to see King Gizzard and the Lizard yeah, Wizard. that would be wild man I'm intrigued by here yeah so I, I gotta do, I gotta dive into that band I mean from hearing about it from you so much and just seeing in general I tell you the what, impact man, they left on people it the, really uh, seems massive there's a lot of guides out there I'll send you a couple of them because there's because there's um there's one that like suggests you start with one of their newest albums Omnium Gather because it's like an hour and 20 minutes long and it has so many dif- of their different styles they've done before on it that it's yeah. kind of a good jumping off point that's awesome but no, like, what's great about being a King Gizzard fan is, like, there's so much music to listen to already, and then you really don't have to wait long. Like, they put stuff out all the time, yeah. and <laughs> it's not like they're putting out some cheap nothing album just to make a quick buck and to release something. Like, no, every album they put out is, like, at the very least well put together in a complete package of original new music. Yeah. It's great. I love That's it. awesome. And it was funny, we were mentioning a little earlier about, like, kind of almost having a hard time really talking about bands you love so much. Well, and it's hit me, like, I would usually have to say at this point, I think I would call Radiohead my favorite band of all time, you know, and I think that one thing that's sort of hitting me that's almost hilarious about them is I'm realizing how hard it is to talk, like, I feel like I've met Radiohead fans in the past, and I feel like no one really knows how to kind of have a conversation about them fully. It's so hard Listen, to talk uh, about ra- them. Uh, Radiohead makes music for people who are scared to ask the waiter for more ketchup. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's true. I'm like, yeah. I mean, like, and I try not to be, I think that's my insecurity right there. I don't ever want to feel like I'm that strong into, like, isolation reclusion. I want to feel like I can have a... You know, even if I'm kind of crazy or maybe a little bit of an eccentric, I can at least reach people in a way. You know, I, I never want to feel like I lose that. But it's like Radiohead almost like I feel like that's almost the point of Radiohead in a way, though, of like how awkward, you know, like forced conversations in a lot of scenarios can be. Like as far as the little things go, those are like massive kind of themes of depression as well. But as far it can also, but it's just funny to me. I'm like, yeah, they're just one of those bands. I feel like the point is just just listen to us, man. We'll we'll make you feel better in a lot of ways. You it's re- like how do you even talk about it? From it's there? like it's a feeling. You ever think about like all the bands you listen to and like if someone caught me listening to this and asked what it was would I be embarrassed to tell them yeah 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 exactly yeah I, I, it's funny because I think I grew up I would often find myself thinking like that these days I think I let loose on that because I'm like yeah alright I think I'm comfortable with my taste of music now but yeah. I mean there was a time and I think a lot this is a thing a lot of men have experienced uh, there's a time when like I listened to like almost anything that was made by a woman and I was like, eh, it's girly, I hate it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I slowly adapted to it and like there's still a lot of like top 40 pop stuff that I just really can't stand that I just think is obnoxious, but like you know, I've kind of like I've gone from that it sounds girly thing to like one of my all-time favorite bands is Churches. I, yeah. listened, I honestly think I listen to more music made by women than men these Dude, days. I had, I'm with you. And it's funny, I think I met you around the time I made this revelation. I think you probably made a similar revelation where it's like, I think I grew up, yeah, mostly listening to only mas- male-dominant music. So to the point where I think I discovered artists like Kate Bush for the first time back in like 2014. And she kind of just warped me in so many ways of like, um, yeah, just really understanding what feminine power really is through music, you know, because, yeah, it, it, I think I always needed that. And someone like Bjork came along, and I think she, right now she's my favorite one. She, oh, really, yeah. she has, like, such a passion behind her. She just, yeah, feels very understanding of humanity. Well, it's like I look back, and 
you know, I mean, controversial take here, folks. Me and Blake, we're not the biggest fans of top forty pop music. Nope. Um, <laughs> I think it's yeah. At this point, yeah. It's... Like I, I'm not. We're not. I'm not going to go on a big rant about like actually popular music is bad because there's some pop music I really like. But I think one of the biggest things that frustrates me is hearing a song by an artist I love that I feel like could be a huge radio hit, and then instead, like no one knows who they are. Oh, like man. you, you and I saw Japanese Breakfast together. Tell me, Be Sweet should not be like top 40 oh, mega hit in an ideal world it would be such absolutely. a fun just bouncy like, dude, fun sincere well played and great instrumentation yeah like in an ideal world for me dude like R.E.M. and Neil Young would dominate the radios you know but I'm like you just don't hear that no it's like dang we're, we're sounding like a couple of cranky old men yeah, shaking cranky your old fists nerds. at yeah, it I'm, like, but, I'm a cranky old music nerd like, I'm, I'm loud and you proud know what? Okay, while we're on cranky old music nerd I'm gonna go ahead and say something I'll go for it so I remember being really disappointed when I found out that Doja Cat is a rapper and not like a funny cat <laughs> like I thought I heard people talk about Doja cat and i'm like that sounds like a funny like meme cat that's going around i want to look up this i'm like oh she's a rapper (laughs) i didn't really listen to her music but like one time i was at at a party pretty recently and someone just put on a doja cat like marathon and i sat there listening to it and i was really high at the time too and it's like okay listen people if you like doja cat i don't care do what you want but this list that was one of the most miserable experiences of my life because i feel like so much top 40 pop music is so focused on grabbing your attention it is intentionally as obnoxious as possible i feel like i define that as like a style over substance where i feel like it it feels like it's going for an in the moment jolt but it's not a jolt that's going to hold up in a couple of years and I feel like my guideline for music and film truly is like what will hold up in time like what will this will this have the same kind of jolt 10 years from now as it does now and I can well when you sense that like a song just doesn't have that it's like I just don't care anymore I've well Blake you uh You've been to the club with me in August before. I know you didn't particularly enjoy it, and I don't particularly enjoy clubs either. And <laughs> no, I tell I you like what, not me. I have a lot of experience, it, it, not a lot, but I've had experiences in clubs where I'll hear a song that is exactly what you're describing, a song that when it came out, I was like, yeah, this is all right, but this isn't going to like stand the test of time. <laughs> I hear that come on, and I think to myself, wait... Did people like this? Like, did did people decide this has staying power and now a bunch of 20-somethings are dancing to it in the club because they grew up on it? It's yeah. like, I'm not calling out a particular song. I'm just talking about, like... There's nothing wrong with that, necessarily. It's just, I think that for my personal guide, I'd rather not... I just don't feel like faking it. I'm like, I'm not really feeling this. I don't want to be a pretentious asshole. I'd rather just not be there at all. <laughs> I just kind of, I'm just living, living the, in my own music. That's, that's my, I already got my own club. Like, so. you, and I, you, and I, you and I in August, we should... We should open up a club. We should we should yeah. start a club. August, you're listening to this. Think about it. We should start a club. Yeah. We should start a club of people who have good taste in music, and we should just like curate like really interesting playlists. Have like theme nights and stuff. Yeah, dude. I mean, uh, kind of. Shit. Yeah, music I know a guy who's a literal DJ. My my buddy Luke. Shout out Luke. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's a he's a DJ. Yeah, I'm on board too. And he makes electronic music, and he DJed at a Halloween party I went to, and it was awesome uh you hear it here folks for you heard it here folks first bake them away toys um blake and august and i are starting a club hey that's what we're gonna do it's announced today um maybe 2023's big kind of grand grand moment oh yeah there we go next year we got a project for now starting a club yeah we need we need something to kind of keep something going for next year so that could be it right there yeah that'd be cool i mean honestly it'd be cool to like just 
I wish, like, we had the capital and just resources necessary to, like, I feel like a bunch of Knoxville people, like, Knoxville creative folks need to get together and create, like, a spot that's kind of, like, kind of a hangout spot, but kind of, like, a place that has events. Uh, for the most part, it could yeah. just be for, like, a workspace for cre creatives and whatnot, but it could also have events. It could have little parties. You're it could right. Have workshops. Because, I mean, wouldn't you agree that I find that when you and I just talk, whenever we meet up, it's almost like it can be almost hard to, to grasp it, but I think when we're naturally there in a moment, I think that, like, creatives can usually find something natural, like, you know, whenever we're talking. I'm like, something comes out. I'm like, if you're a creative person, I think you kind of almost bring a unique shade out of me whenever I talk. So I think that. I think a lot of creatives function that way, I guess is my point with that. And I think a lot of people would thrive with that. Like just to really, yeah, better, better, just, yeah, find people who get what you're doing and just get your vision and can relate to your For vision. For sure. You know, it's, it's like, that's what we need, you know, something of a support. That's where a lot of unfulfillment is. It's just like, you you know that like what you have to offer is good, but it's like, it feels like it's not going anywhere and, and it feels like no one understands what the hell it is basically. Like that, that, that is kind of a rotten, instinctually a very rotten feeling you know it's almost like you, at this point i'm kind of grasping until it's almost man's nature to try to fight that really you know that's how a man needs fulfillment just day by day you know like and things like that would be really helpful so like we got about 10 minutes left uh you had another topic you wanted to get into tonight oh man <laughs> we could talk about i mean we were talking about maybe like favorite movie you want to talk about like your favorite you wanted to get into like favorite directors so, uh, yeah, you know, movies. only 10 minutes left, but you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, f so it's funny. So I was... The director who got you in the movies. Well, who made you want, who makes you want to make be a filmmaker more than anybody? Inspires so, you. So I, I'm going to like, it's kind of funny you mention that because, uh, I was just listening to, uh, my, one of my favorite podcasts, Doughboys, uh, a podcast where two guys review chain restaurants every week. Uh, it's a hoot. I'll have to, I'll have to play you a clip later, but they, I forget how they got to this joke, but they started making this joke where they were, like, talking about David Fincher, but every time they mentioned him, they said, we love the Finch man. <laughs> it was just, it was just so, like, bizarre. Uh, yeah, it's David Fincher. David Fincher's the filmmaker who got me into filmmaking because, you know, when I was a kid, I watched, I watched, I loved Harry Potter when I was a kid. That was my big movie. And then I got into Star Wars. I liked Ghostbusters and the Goonies and some of those, like, 80s classics because my brothers grew up on those. Other than that, I watched silly, you know, lowbrow comedies and, you know, maybe an action movie here or there. But, like, when I was, like, a teenager, I watched Seven, and it was like, oh, man. Oh, man. I've been watching the wrong kind of movies for a while. <laughs> I need to be watching, like, this auteur shit. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, Seven is, like, it is such a, like... I think I mean I think everything David Fincher's made, with the exception of like, um, you know, like Alien Three. And yeah, like, I've heard that one's not and, good. I haven't and, seen uh, it. Honestly, Benjamin Button. When I think it was about okay. it, yeah, a little boring. Everything Fincher has made has been like pretty goddamn near perfect. Yeah, but Seven just Seven just hits you hard. So dark. Dude. It hits you really yeah. hard. And like he Fincher has a lot of really dark moments in his filmography. I mean, like Gone Girl's really fucked up. The girl with the dragon tattoo's really fucked up. Like. Honestly, all of his movies have some fucked up darkness in them, but Seven just hits you so hard with yeah. it and so coldly, and that is such a striking film to see when you're at that young of an age, and you know you want to make movies, but you're not really sure exactly what, and then I literally watched that movie, and I'm like, I want to make a movie like that, and then I, yeah, you I know, I wrote The Abused, and it was my shitty first feature, and it stuck with me my entire life, because I made it 
into a short film in college and then I adapted it into a feature and I'm not even done I'm on the fifth draft of that script and it's like I'm still writing the movie that Seven inspired me to make when I saw it like yeah dude I mean that's always been your I mean that's your favorite yeah that's like your top four favorite films of all time isn't it Seven you know I think there's Fincher films I like a good bit better than Seven, but I think it's got to be Zodiac personally. Yeah, dude, Zodiac's really good. I think it's, that's just this most tightly paced, and I'm like, I, I'm a fan of Seven Side Club, but I think now, like, I'm almost too sensitive to a certain '90s nihilism. I think uh, as much as I like, I think them. Zodiac is the combination of it's a Zodiac's slightly more perfect. interesting story because it's real life inspired, uh, and it's style is a little more honed in and focused Agreed. than in Seven because Seven it's a little more pulpy in Seven if it is very pulpy in Seven that I mean the fact that it's always I was talking about it's all I was talking about how I'm depressed because it's always raining it doesn't yeah. ever stop raining in Seven and that's until a very the depressed. finale it feels like yeah dude that's, and that's one of those depressing finales so that, it's, that's it's, like that's a big one it's up there uh, and yeah so like you know now looking back on Fincher as like someone who's made movies it's like I like that he's a perfectionist, but I'm absolutely not a perfectionist. Yeah. So I can't d- replicate him in that style, I but like I can that. kind of bring something new to it. Find your own voice. I mean, I saw it in your last movie. I mean, I feel like you really do have, in Tether, I feel like you do have a lot of a David Fincher tone to you. Like, I feel like there's a kind of certain like, sharpness about the way you direct. It feels kind of like tight. It does feel like it's particular, but there's a looseness. You're, you're a little looser than him, though. I think. And, like, a little, and you're a little more humanistic, I'd say. You know, how many times have you seen August use a tripod? Not often. Oh, he's a handheld motherfucker. Yeah, August, August, he is a handheld filmmaker. And I, you know, there's times in some of his films where I'm like, I don't know that that helps. I think maybe, like, from, like, a creative standpoint, it could have worked better here or there. But ultimately, that's his style. Yeah, and he, he makes it with work. It, he's and yeah. He makes it work a lot. And he's so wrong, gritty. I think one of I'm the biggest like things about it that I like is all his films feel unsettling in a way because they're all handheld. Yeah. And that's cool. Anyway, I didn't mean to go on about August filmmaking. Uh, shout out, buddy. I know you're listening. Yeah, I do. So, no, you're uh, a genius we filmmaker. Mean, we mean absolutely no disrespect. I just, we're just having a creative discussion here yeah, about no, styles. I, I realize, dude, I'm too much of a shaky guy, so I'm like I'm like Michael J. Fox if I got my game. But look I, at me. I, I use a tripod relaxed. all the time. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like, I like, like tripods. I got a photographer. I like yeah. smooth motions. I like Damn, smooth. all that yeah. very much. I, I like motion, style. but I like it to be very long and drawn out. like Almost like it's more of a portrait than it is like a gritty in the moment kind of like I want it to feel in the moment but it's like it's it's almost like you're looking at it from a fisheye lens a little bit like you're the, kind of detached from reality I think I get a lot of that from the Stanley Kubrick inspiration so I really I really want to get like a gimbal so I can have like really stable shots but you know what I really want I really want to hire a focus puller do you know about focus pullers no. so I didn't know this until I was in college but like a lot of like you know bigger movie productions and even some indie productions they have a guy whose entire job is to focus the camera. Like, he has a separate screen to see what the camera is seeing, and all he does is turn the knob so the camera person can focus on framing the shot mm. and moving, and they don't have to be messing with the focus or the exposure or any of that. Because, I mean, I tell you, like, that's it's a skill to be able to take care of all that, yeah. but it is really frustrating when you're like, I want to focus on the movement in this shot, but, you know, like starting from scratch has a fucking vertigo shot in it, and we did it as a joke, and it was really hard. It was really hard to do pull off a vertigo shot, but we did it. It, it looks terrible, but here we go. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, you, what about you? What are your favorite director? Oh man, it's always a hard one, but it's got It's it always comes back to Paul Thomas Anderson. I feel like he is the American poet of modern times in a lot of ways, and I think I just feel like through his films, 
I mean, obviously, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different directors who could be that, but I think for me, he truly gets to the humane soul and spirit of a, just kind of like 20th century Americana and how that transitions to, to the future. In a it lot is, of ways. yeah, he's eight films, he's masterpieces he's made. Like he has it, covered so many different like so much eras, like, but like they yeah. all do kind of have some kind of common like themes in a it's way. It's almost like it's what people are really searching for, and at the end of the day, I think that you know, like it's all about kind of the foundation of just seeking momentary glimpses of, of happiness for a person who's like, because most of his characters are usually really depressed or they have a loneliness to them. They're kind of unfulfilled with their lives in a certain way. And it kind of shows in a loosest way, like how maybe a, you know, an eccentric person can find their fulfillment in their lives. And, and it kind of comes to other people, how other people can challenge you, but they can almost make you better in certain ways. So I want to, I'm listening to this and it's just leading me to like, yeah, go for it. Go for it. But talk. like, uh, I will go ahead and like say as a rule, August is listening. He has not seen the okay. Pizza yet, and I keep telling him we'll to watch Curse Pizza. So. I'll keep it abstract. Yeah, because that's that's my favorite film he's made for so many. It's woken up so much in me in a lot of ways. And it's uh, a lot of. I think I I truly see his films as kind of telling me, you know, what I always was looking for. I was talking about music being religion. I think his films are almost contemplating why. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to walk over. You tell me there. I just, just kind of uh, throw that out. How his films, I think, more than any other director, maybe speak to me on that personal level of what I was looking for out of religion, and that kind of was. That momentary glimpses of a happiness you meet with like certain people who kind of do leave like a you know spiritual mark on you like people you don't forget. It's it's, like, it's a that's big what you thing. Can live for. I've learned in the past few years of my feel. life is that you uh, don't need to like you know you can you can like have certain people in your life that help you out with a certain thing that you share certain things with and you make those boundaries and you decide what works for you with that relationship and it's. I don't know, it's something I try to keep in mind whenever I get stressed out about how, like, someone feels about me or how I feel about a person or, you know, maybe the relationships another person has in their life and whatnot. And I don't know, I think Licorice Beast is just a really good example of that because people, like, look at the premise and they're like, oh, pedophilia. That's the first thing they think about. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard like, to talk about. No, it's, it's about, you know, seeing, like, wanting to be a part of someone's life because they have something you want and I mean the big deal in this movie is it's like Alana wants to be a kid again because she hates being an adult mm. and Gary wants to be an adult because he just wants to grow up he's tired of being a kid yeah he's drained from it and they both want like these different qualities out of each other and that's kind of like the basis of their relationship and it's I mean it's just why like throughout the movie everything is so fun because you get to see how these characters respond to th these things yeah i think i read a quote from pta it makes so much sense that he apparently he just he comes up with his characters in a basic premise and he just starts writing and he doesn't decide anything he just writes out the characters how they would behave and what would result from those actions yeah he's and, he's 100 motivated by character behavior like yeah more and you really just get to understand it and see it and he has so much fun with it so much fun with it i yeah, mean he's a blast. I, th he's colorful. <clears throat> I think like i love phantom thread but i think one of the reasons why like i think in a contest licorice pizza kicks the ever-loving shit out of phantom thread yeah, for me they're equal like quality licorice pizza is so much more fun yeah it's so much more like it's, it's a comedy a lot more fun, it's a yeah. comedy in a lot of ways it's more of a study but it's just a place that i'm not at in my life yet you know i mean that's like you know, uh, yes, but, uh, but it's something I want to understand. You know, it's like even for a married man, like how can complications arise, especially if you're like an artist, a creative type. You know, I imagine 
you know, there can be all kinds of new insecurities that can arise, you know, that, like, I'm like, yeah, that's interesting. But no, Liquor Speaks is a little more, like, where I'm interested in, because I'm a single man, you know, I haven't really done a lot of deep relationships before. So that movie almost kind of shows me a lot of what I fear about it, and it almost gets out of my system in this way. So it kind of, like, makes me kind of see, yeah. like, it almost makes me yearn for that. Like, I don't really, like, necessarily want to be in a relationship right now. I just want to meet the right kind of person. I mean, but that movie does show me why I ought to live for something we're like all, that. We're all, like, coping with the fact that we were attracted to Alana Heim. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> Which, Alana Heim. And her sister, honestly. Danielle. It's Danielle I'm really dude, attracted dude, honestly, to. Honestly, like, I, I'm going to play you some of their music It's 100% later. her more than the I'm going to play some of their music later because uh, I'm down. Danielle is, like, She's she's, she's in, beautiful. She's man. an incredible musician. She too. is so good. Yeah, uh, she's incredible. My favorite line in the whole movie, which isn't really a spoiler, but if you have like a favorite line or scene that you want to talk about, that oh, I got so, that yeah. doesn't really spoil it. I got one. I'm, we're gonna end the episode with this. Uh, my favorite line in the movie is after Alana gets into a big fight with her family. She's sitting outside with Danielle and. Danielle says, you gotta stop being so angry all the time. And Alana just screams, oh, oh fuck true. off, Danielle! Yeah, she goes right back and hangs... Yeah, it's like, they're, they're so indecisive, because there's, like, a, another scene like that. Whenever, um, she's, she's just like, well, is it weird that I hang out with Gary and his friends? And she's just like, you can judge. She, she just keeps being what she watches and just goes back and does it. She's like, okay. Like, I love Daniel's reaction. And she, she's like, oh, okay. And, and, she's, and then she just kind of takes a big drag of her cigarette and says, because I think it's fucking weird that I hang out with Gary and his fucking friends. She's great. Everyone in that movie is great. The cinematography is great. It's, dude, it's, it's a genius such a movie. movie. It's a genius movie in my opinion, dude. Anyway. It's, it's so hard to even talk about a favorite scene because there's just so many little moments that I just keep rewatching and I fall in love more with it because it's so personal. It literally like relates to a like loneliness and what a melon the beauty of melancholy in a lot of ways and i kind of I, I feel good about loneliness actually when i watch that movie i see like how as long as you kind of have like you know an understanding you want to know that certain people understand you as long as you have that a lot of fulfillment can be found from that alone i i kind of think i think a movie does a beautiful job at sharing that you know even everything about it's very awkward and wrong in, a, in, a, in an angle but then when you're actually in it it's like yeah there's a spirit of like yeah who isn't living for that in the end of the day and I kind of have this weird personalized theory that that movie's almost like an antithesis to, like, there'll be blood, you know? Because, like, Daniel Plainview, there's no feminine energy in that movie. Like, Daniel Plainview never really had any much feminine exposure. And I think that movie just might have gotten to the darkest depths of just a man's crippling loneliness who never really had much exposure for women. And I think Lucas Pizza's kind of trying to show you, like, why a man needs that in his life. You know what I mean? Right on, absolutely. So, uh, I think that's going to do it for us, folks. Hey, buddy. So that was a good time. The lessons taken away from this episode, adjusting to corporate lives hard... Um, listen to King Gizzard. Music rules, man. Music rules. <laughs> uh, we're cranky old men. We're gonna open a club. Yeah, buddy. Uh, wow, this, is, this is a wild one, man. Yeah, <laughs> this we got a lot of here. Um, yeah, and watch Licorice Pizza, August. Oh, you coward, do it. Do it. Bef- do it before I see you next time, or the podcast is canceled. <laughs> you hear me? Canceled. Okay, I'm, I'm I should, I should, I should, I should, yeah, I should mention my favorite scene in Licorice Pizza, but it all feels like, do you know what? I'm just going to say this. It's all one favorite scene. There is so no favorite good. moment. It's all in the little details. I just like how, like, there's an air of just, yeah, melancholy throughout the whole movie. Then anyway. Of it happens that. Uh, Blake, uh, where, where can people, like, follow you about, like, your posts and stuff? Uh, you can come on Instagram. I'm on Bears B Hall 7. I'm on Letterboxd. Also, is Blake Hall. Oh, yeah, I gotta plug the letterbox. Oh, yeah, yeah, plug up the letterbox. That's where I get, yeah, I just put like reviews uh, and stuff. Movie I think out. I'm just John T. Queener on letterbox. I think that's right. But, yeah, that, those yeah. would be the best sources to find me right now on my YouTube channel, but I haven't really given a lot. I'm, that's one of my things for next year. I think that I'm so far into the airy side of like creation that I really need to be a little more grounded and kind of executing like a lot of these uh, ideas to realism. And I think next year that's gonna be a goal. So I'm kind of wanting to, yeah, I'm looking at things like, yeah, you get, yeah, more, more ways you can find me. So I'm gonna. Not really plug many of my socials because honestly, like I don't. 
I don't feel like plugging social media that much anymore because I'm like kind of trying to keep social media as like a, hey, this I have the people I know in my everyday life on here, and I don't have any, I don't have any weirdos who listen to the podcast or find me through other means and whatnot. I like to, I, I'm trying to keep a little more of a private life, and that's. That's, you know, one thing. But I will say, wishlist Phantom Fury on Steam. Uh, you can find my movies at, you know, John Queener on YouTube. And my movies, uh, yeah, Blake Hall, you got Cadence. Yeah, the last and you got Fallacy coming out. Yeah, Fallacy uh, coming out. Other yeah, things, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, or if you're new to this, make sure you check out August. Oh, man, I should have, like, gotten a list of his plugs, so I got all of them right. Uh, he's August Aguilar on lots of places. He's Strange Films on lots of places. Check out his new film, He Comes to Kill. It's amazing. Blake's in it. I'm in oh, it. It's amazing. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah. really funny. Yeah, it's it's, it's, I think it's, it's his really best film, movie. dude. It's so good. It's a masterpiece. Anyway, this was It Would Be Nice. Uh, we'll catch you next week. Blake, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, John. And uh, this is going to be a fun one. I can't wait to, yeah, I can't I can't wait to send this out. Watch oh, me fuck up yeah. the export.